Hey, I know you're here for the podcast, but give me 30 seconds to talk about a new service we just released for anyone working in a CPG brand. Finding the perfect co-packer or supplier can be a real pain. You spend hours Googling options, texting your colleagues, asking around different Slack groups, and still you get nothing. That's why we created Fiddle Connect Consulting, a done-for-you service that does all of the hard work of finding your dream co-packer or supplier. Best of all, it's 100% guaranteed and you get three free months of Fiddle Inventory Operations software included. Interested? Just go to lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. That's lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. Now, on with the episode. Welcome to the Physical Product Movement, a podcast by Fiddle. We share stories of the world's most ambitious and exciting physical product brands to help you capitalize on the monumental change in how, why, and where consumers buy. I'm your host, Ken Ojuka. Hey, hey, welcome back to the podcast. This is Taylor from the marketing team and the host of today's episode. Is getting into retail stores part of your growth strategy for 2022? Are you already in some stores but want to increase your sales and land even more stores? Well, this episode is going to be perfect for you. It's the audio recording from our webinar, How to Land Retail in the Modern Era of CPG. The presenter is Sandra Velasquez, a retail sales coach to CPG brands and founder and CEO of her own brand, Nopalera. Get ready to take a lot of notes and then take a lot of action. Welcome, everyone, to the webinar. Super excited today to welcome our guest, Sandra Velasquez. Um, I asked her if she wanted me to introduce her because there's just so many cool things about her that I want to talk about, but she's going to introduce herself. And then I'll just, uh, Sandra, feel free to just dive straight into the topic today, how to, rent, how to land retail in the modern era of CPG is the title the content is going to be much more exciting than the title. So, Sandra, <laughs> take it away. Yes, thank you, Taylor. And thanks for everyone that's joining us and anyone that's watching this video uh, recorded later on. Um, yes, I because we only have an hour and there's so much, like, you know, I teach a class that is, you know, two hours each class and four classes. So that's eight hours of knowledge and we could keep going. So because we only have an hour, I just want to get straight to it. I want to dive right into, you know, the material and I want to leave plenty of room for questions and answers. So Taylor, is that something that you can be kind of moderating? Um, I'm happy to take questions throughout as well. We don't need to wait until the end, um, but definitely want to save a bunch of time for the end so that we can just, you guys can ask me anything you want. I love sharing information. I'm a complete open book. Um, so that is what I love to do. I love to empower, you know, everyone like yourself, all of my, my fellow founders, because I am also one. So I'm going to start sharing my screen. I'm just going to get right to it. And then we will talk soon. Uh, so I have to apologize that my computer broke. So I'm on this new PC and, and unfortunately it's, uh, I cannot do the full, I can't figure out how to do the full screen because I'm in this weird Microsoft um, form. So let me just hide these controls. All right, so how to land retail in the modern era CPG hosted by me, Sandra from DistroTalk. That is um, 
my basically my, my CPG consulting that I do. Okay, so what we're gonna cover in these next you know, 30, 40 minutes, um, three things. So how to pitch your product correctly, um, how to really sell your product. And by the way, spoiler alert, you guys, it's not on how it tastes, okay? <laughs> so um, I'm gonna show you examples of emails that I actually have written you know, um, to buyers and how I sold products as a sales rep. And then number two, so great. Now you've pitched your product, you're on the shelf, now what, right? How do you stay on the shelf? As you guys probably know, staying on the shelf is actually where the work really begins, right? Um, so how to stay there. And then number three, how to work with distributors because here's the thing is that if you really have plans to expand in grocery, you will have to end up working with distributors. It's almost inevitable. And so it's really important for you all to know how it's how much it's going to cost you, right? How to get how to incentivize them, how to get them to care, et cetera. So we're going to talk about distributors. All right. So who is this webinar for? It's for founders of food, beverage, beauty. I think most of you are in food and bev. You're looking to get your product on the grocery store shelves and into distribution. So um, as Taylor said, I, I said, don't introduce me, I'll introduce myself. So hi, everybody. My name is Sandra Velasquez. I am a former sales and distribution manager uh, for several national brands across multiple categories. I worked in beverage, specialty, bath and body, and frozen. The last couple brands that I worked for, you might have heard of, I worked for Van Leeuwen Ice Cream. Um, they are dear friends of mine. They've been around for 14 years. Uh, their home base is here in New York. So I was, it was my job to manage the territory, the Northeast Territory and our distributors and, you know, um, go out and pound the pavement and open accounts and manage relationships. So that was my last day job. And uh, I've worked with, you know, along the way, I've worked with small distributors, like big and small distributors. I currently teach an online class called Distro 101, where I provide real world training, basically the truth and contacts for, for sales and distribution in grocery. And like all of you, I am also a founder. I am the founder of Nopalera, which is a um, high-end Mexican botanical bath and body line. And I sell into Nordstrom, Goop, and over 250 independent retailers nationwide. So I completely understand where you guys are. I am on your side. I'm here to help you and support you. I am also one of you, but I just also happen to have all of this kind of insider experience from being on the other side of the table. So really, you know, living in the trenches of sales and distribution in the grocery business here in New York City. All right, so let's get into it. So number one, how to pitch your product. So I, first of all, like I said, it's not about how it tastes, right? Everyone here thinks that their product tastes great. And everything, everyone here thinks that their product uh, works well, right? Otherwise we wouldn't have created our products, right? So, but the thing is, is that this is not how we sell our product, okay? Because if that were the case, all of us would be in all of our dream stores because all we would have to do was say, our product tastes great, it tastes better than our competitors and you know, our product uh, works well, et cetera. And you know, here are all the health benefits. So that is, first of all, not how we sell our product. Okay, that is what we tell to our customers. So it's really important to distinguish that the way that we talk to our customers, right, our fans, our, our, you know, our community is different than how we talk to grocery buyers, just like it's different than how we talk to investors, right? So just that's one thing I want to distinguish right up front. Um, so personalize your communication. I'm going to show you an example of an email that I wrote to a grocery buyer here in New York um, on the next slide. But I can't, I really want to stress this right now because um, I can't, it's so important for you to personalize your communication, starting with your subject line. 
Um, it is where is why people are going to open your email address or your, your email to them, right? So personalizing your communication, I know it sounds really mundane, but it is so true. And it is why I have opened hundreds of accounts for the brands that I have worked for. It's really because of how I wrote to the people that I was writing. Okay, number two, understand your category. All of us here in grocery, right? You, you live in a category. If you make a beverage, you're in the beverage category. If you make an ice cream, you're in the frozen category, right? If you make a hot sauce, you're in the condiment uh, category. So understanding your category and the competitive landscape, because when you pitch your product, you need to um, contextualize your offer in the context of the category. How is your product going to help the category grow? What are you bringing to the category that is missing? Right? Maybe you have created a product that is a better version of a legacy item. Right? So for example, I have a former student who took my class. She just launched um, her like better for you ramen. Right? So all of us know top ramen. Um, you know, it's very cheap. It's not filled with great ingredients. She made a better version. And um, you know, so this is the kind of thing, like if you're going to pitch your product, understand what the value is to the category. Okay. And again, this is not opinion based. This is really you um, objectively looking at the category and seeing what is missing and knowing what, where the trends are going and knowing what people want and positioning your product as that solution. Okay. And then understand the business. So when we pitch our product, right, we personalize our communication so that people open our emails, you understand the category so that you can contextualize your offer, your product for what it's going to do for the category. And then you also have to understand the, the grocery business. And by that, I mean, be prepared to give placement deals. A placement deal is an introductory deal, otherwise known as an intro deal or a placement deal. It is a discount that we give to our stores for the very first time, for that very first order to get our foot in the door, to get our product on the shelf for the very first time. It is pretty much standard, okay? And so a placement deal is usually based off of one case per SKU. So if you make a beverage, and let's say you have three flavors of your drink, right? Let's say you make a kombucha. You have three flavors of your kombuchas. They come in a 12 pack and you, you're gonna get into a store. You're gonna, you can offer them a placement deal, which is in, in grocery, the standard is a 50% placement deal. So 50% off just the first case of each SKU for that first order only, right? That is, this is you saying, hey, I understand you're giving me a shot. I'm gonna offer a placement deal, right? And just be prepared that if you don't offer one, people will ask you, and I want to make sure that all of you know what that means. Okay. Now, secondly, you there, you know, maybe you offer a placement deal, and now you need to understand that you have to support sales at the grocery store level, right? It is not the grocery store's uh, job to make your product sell. It is not the grocery store's job to make people like your product. It is also not your distributor's job, by the way, to make people like your product. It is all, always our responsibility to help drive sales, always. Okay. So I want to just, I can't say that enough because, um, you know, a lot of brands, they, they think, okay, well, now I have a distributor. Now they're going to, you know, it's their job to go and promote my product. And that is just not the case. If you go into it with that mindset, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be mad because you're going to wonder why aren't people, you know, promoting my product or, you know, doing their job, so to speak. And it's just, that's not their job. <laughs> okay, so it is our job, right, to make sure that our product sells, and we do that by through promotions, right, we do that through demos, we do that through merchandising, through building relationships, okay, and which I'm going to talk about uh, more later. And then lastly here, talk like a broker. When you are pitching your product to a store, again, act like you are the broker and the sales rep. 
right? Not just the passionate founder who's gonna talk about your story or about how good it tastes. All of those things are important. I don't want you to think that your story is not important because it is. However, if you were to go and hire a sales rep or a broker to help you get into stores, they would not be selling your product based off of opinions, okay? So it's really important to make that distinction and go ahead and act like your own broker, right? You don't actually need to hire a broker or a sales rep in the beginning, okay? And we can talk about more about that later about when is the right time. So here's an email that you can see this is, is a screenshot of an email that I wrote. You can see this is when I worked at Van Leeuwen Ice Cream up at the top. Here's my email address, Sandra Van Leeuwen Ice Cream. This was May 12th in the middle of the pandemic. Okay, still pitching and selling through the pandemic, y'all. Okay, everyone still needs food. Everyone still needs the things that they need, even though we're in COVID still. Now, here, look at my subject line. You see my subject line? It is personalized. It says, hi, Joe. <laughs> okay, Van Leeuwen times Morton Williams. Morton Williams is a grocery chain here in New York City. Now, do I know Joe personally? No. Does Joe know who I am? No. How did I find out who Joe was? Here's how I find out the buyer's name and contact. It's very simple, you guys. I call the store. Okay, I called the store. I just picked one of the locations here in New York City. I called them up. I said, hello, I am a vendor and I'm looking to get in touch with the frozen buyer. And they said, okay, here, let me put you on the phone with him. So they connected me to the frozen buyer at that location. Okay, and I said, hi, I'm a vendor. Um, are you the frozen buyer? for all of Morton Williams or just for this location? And he said, no, I'm just the frozen buyer for this location. So I tell you this story to also make sure that you distinguish between, are you talking to the buyer at one store or are you talking to the buyer for the entire chain that actually has the power to authorize new items? There's a big difference, okay? So the person at that store, this one location, he has no power whatsoever to authorize my product to get into Morton Williams. He only gets to order the things that have already been authorized, right? Um, and so I said, okay, if you're not the buyer for the chain, who is? And he said, oh, that's Joe Viscomi. Um, and I said, do you have his email? And he said, no, you have to call the corporate office. No problem. I called the corporate office. I said, hi, I'm a vendor and I need to, I'm looking to write, um, I need to get in contact with Joe Viscomi. Do you have his email? And they gave it to me. And that is how I got to this point, right? So now I'm writing Joe Viscomi because here's the thing. If you guys are looking for a magic directory of buyer contacts, this does not exist because buyers are constantly changing jobs just like everyone else, right? It's not like a college directory where like the names and the information is fixed. So I really encourage all of you to just go out and get the information when you need it. Who is the current buyer? It, for all I know, Joe, Joe Viscomi is no longer the frozen buyer, right? But at the time, he was the frozen buyer for the chain. And so my personalized subject line, this is how I write all of my emails. It's always the person's name, my company, and their store. Always, in every single subject line. And here is my email. Hi, Joseph. I hope you are staying, uh, you are well and staying healthy. This is Sandra, the New York area sales manager for Van Leeuwen Ice Cream. Notice that this is hyperlinked so that he can click on it and visit our website if he wants to. We make 32 flavors across our dairy, vegan, oat milk, and seasonal lines. You may already be familiar with us. I would like to discuss placement in Morton Williams for Van Leeuwen. I'm getting to the point of what I want. And would it be best to present to you or reach out to each individual store? We are available from Unify Hudson Valley and York I can offer a 50% placement deal. I look forward to hearing from you. So before I change the screen, I show you how, you know, um, the next slide. First, 
please look at my writing style. Short sentences with spaces in between, no long paragraphs. Nothing in here is about the Van Leeuwen brothers or their story or how they got started or how it tastes or how it's made. There is all sorts of amazing facts about the Van Leeuwen story, right? None of that is in here because it's overwhelming to tell everyone that upfront in the very first cold email, okay? So I am just, this is, I'm, I'm saying this is who I am, this is who I'm with, this is what we make, and this is what I want. And here is what I'm going to offer you to give me what I want. It's very straightforward, okay? And then here's just my signature at the bottom. I always embed a picture in the email of the product, right? So when I worked for High Bar, which is a hair care line, there was a picture of their beautiful shampoo. In this case, it was Van Loo and ice cream. So this is embedded, this is not attached, okay? And so this is that once he opens my email, he has no point, he has no uh, reason to, he can't not see this beautiful picture, okay? All right, so that is how I write pretty much every email. All right, so now we're on shelf, right? And sorry for the doorbell, I live in Brooklyn. <laughs> it's just never ending, <laughs> the FedEx guy. All right, so number two, staying on shelf. We're, now we're in the store, great, we've made it on the shelf. And now what, right? So the real work begins when you actually get on the shelf. It is your job to make your product sell. It is not the store's job. It is not your distributor's job to make people like your product. It is your job, right? So let me just pause here for a moment and say that ideally people, you should have built brand awareness before you even get on the shelf because to just get on the shelf and expect then the discovery to come is really is really much more challenging, right? Grocery stores have thousands of SKUs, right? Look how many salad dressings are on the shelf. Look at how many ice creams are on the shelf, right? To really get people to take, uh, you know, to build brand awareness, it takes time. And ideally you have brand awareness before you even get to the store, on the store shelf, okay? So the real work begins when you get on shelf. This is a picture of me and Jose Lara, who is um, a rainforest distribution rep here in New York City. We are on what's called a ride along. Okay, so anyone here that's gonna work with the DSD, which stands for direct store delivery, which means a local distributor, like a regional distributor, you wanna do ride alongs. A ride along is, is like a made up word, right? But it, it's, it is what it sounds like. It's you are riding along with them for the day. So in this case, you know, Jose, all distributor reps have, you know, territories, um, you know, neighborhoods that they manage, that they call upon, right? So in this case, Jose does all of the East Village of New York City, right? All of those stores are his stores. And it is his job to go around all of them, right? He can only maybe do like seven to 10 a day, right? So every day it's like a new set of stores until he cycles through all of his accounts and he makes sure that they have the reorders that they need, that they have what they need. You know, he tells them about new products, he offers them deals. And so the distributor reps are really, really already like deep in like the trenches, right? They know the buyers, they know what they like, what they don't like, who's nice, who's not nice. And so you riding along, you get to know all of this. It's like being on the inside, right? So it's a great way for you to see what's happening at the store level. It's a great way to meet your accounts. It's a great way to also put a face to your brand with your distributor so that they care about your product as well. So right along have, you know, they're very exhausting. You're walking around all day, especially if you're here in New York, because um, we're not really riding along, no one's in a car. <laughs> if you live somewhere else, hopefully you're in a car, but in New York, we are pounding the pavement. So anyway, 
this is one of the ways, right, is to do a ride along. It's, it's just, um, I hope that that's clear as to why it's so beneficial, right? So here are the other ways that we make our product sell. Demos, promos, merchandising, and external marketing. So I'm not gonna talk about demos or external marketing too much because I think that we are all clear on what those are. So demos, everyone here has seen a demo at a grocery store. Everyone loves free samples, right? Um, I, as a consumer, love free samples, right? Oh, there's like free cheese, great, I'll, I'll try them all, right? And then hopefully the idea is that you will buy one of those cheeses from the table. So demos, um, in the beginning, I will say that I recommend that you do, you or someone from your team do the demos yourself because nobody can sell your brand and tell your story like you. Um, I have seen many demos done by third-party demo services where the people clearly do not care. And it's devastating because I know that if the brand founder saw how the, their product was being presented, they would be horrified, <laughs> okay? So in the beginning, I really recommend that it's, it's you or someone from your team. It could be your sister, your mother. It doesn't have to be, you know, a professional demo person. It just has to be someone that is passionate about your story, about the product, and loves to share that with people, okay? So promos. In grocery, it is, you will be expected to do promos, not only with your distributor, but mainly with your, uh, with your accounts, with your stores. This is one of the main ways that we drive trial. So drive trial is just the industry language for how we get people to buy our product and see if they like it and if they buy it again, right? So promotions and grocery on, at the store level are usually quarterly, okay? So you need to prepare financially to make sure that you can afford to do that, right? You can't just get into the store. You can't get into Whole Foods and say, oh, we don't have any money to promote, right? That's not gonna fly. So you need to know that it's going to be expected of you to promote your product. And every store is going to have different, uh, you know, like ways that they would prefer that you promote your product. So for example, uh, a store like Safeway, Safeway is like 80% of their sales happen when things are on sale. <laughs> okay. It's a very big sale, like yellow ticket type of store. And so you have to be prepared to make sure that you can, that your margins can withstand that. Right. And then. Also with promos, your distributor will want promotions uh, from you, right? So discounts, these are called off invoices. And they will also ask for quarterly, but see if you can push those down to like twice a year with the distributor. They will pass those promotions on to the retailer mostly. But uh, what we end up doing, and this is now getting into the weeds a little bit, we end up doing what we call layered promos, which is where we give the distributor a promo. They pass most of that onto the store. And then we had to, we had to we have to add another promo on top at the store level to really bring it to our desired sale price on the shelf, okay? And now merchandising. So merchandising, this is uh, one of those things that brands uh, are sometimes are caught off guard because they're like, wait, what do you mean I have to merchandise? What do you mean I have to hire a merchandiser? I thought that that was the store's job, Taylor. What do you mean I have to stock the shelf, right? And so merchandising, just know that it really depends on your product category and also the type of stores that you're selling into and where, like your location. And here's what I mean. If you have, uh, if you have a soap company like me and you live in rural Washington, you will not have to merchandise your product. It's not necessary because you have a product that's in a slower moving category in a low populated state right? But if you have a beverage, if you make a kombucha, if you make a protein bar, if you make a chip or a snack or a chocolate and you live in New York City, you will most likely have to merchandise your product because it is a fast moving item 
in a, in a high foot traffic city, right? So the reason that we merchandise, like, so first of all, let me just roll back for a second. What is merchandising? <laughs> merchandising is you going, you or someone from your team or a third party, if you're gonna hire them, and we can talk about that later, is going into the stores. So this is not something that you can do by the over email or on the phone. This is boots on the ground, right? Going into the stores and stocking the shelves of your product. So brands often ask me, wait, 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 Sandra, you're saying that you go into the store and you go into the door to say employees only, and you go behind those doors and you get your product and you stock it. Is that what you're saying? That is exactly what I'm saying. Okay, that is exactly what we do. We are, we become an extension of the store. We go to the store to make sure that our product, number one, is on shelf. Number two, that it has good placement. Number three, that the price tag is correct, or if it's on sale, to make sure that the sale price tag is on, right? And we make sure we ensure reorders. Oh, they have no back stock? Okay, let's get a reorder happening. All of these things can only happen in person. Okay. And then external marketing, this is like, are you going to do events? Are you going to do, you know, run ads? So again, I'm not going to touch on that because, you know, just we're limited on time here. So I'm going to focus on promos and merchandising. So here are some examples. When I worked for Van Leeuwen, we used an app called Repsley, which is a merchandising app. Okay. And these are screenshots from the desktop version. So you can see here, you know, my name and the, the store and the location here over here. So King's is um, a great key account here in New Jersey. It is a, it's like an upscale conventional grocer, okay? 27 locations. And I went around to all of the Kings. I drove around to all of them. It took me a week to go check on the product because no one from Van Leeuwen had ever visited the King stores. So they had no idea what was happening, right? All we can see are the sales numbers. And that doesn't really tell us the full story because again, until you go and you see it with your own eyes, you have really no idea what's happening. Okay, so when I arrived, it looked like this. And here in the middle, if you guys can see my mouse, these are the three Van Leeuwen SKUs, like really four, that were on shelf. And you can see big holes on the shelf here. Okay, when you see holes on the shelf, this is basically lost sales. <laughs> okay, this means that if there were things here, they would, have, they would be selling and we, we would all be making money, but we're not because there's nothing here to sell. So when I arrived, I'm first of all, I'm dressed like a vendor. I know that again, this sounds like so uh, kind of like superficial, right? Like personalized or subject line, but this is critical. <laughs> when you show up to a store, I'm wearing a Van Leeuwen hoodie, a Van Leeuwen beanie. I'm wearing refrigerator gloves. And, you know, I clearly am not there to shop, right? And so merchandisers and vendors, they are dressed like merchandisers and vendors so that people know at the store, they know, oh, okay, you're, you must be a vendor, right? And so when I show up, the first thing I do is I introduce myself to the person in that category, in the aisle. Who is stocking the ice creams and the yogurt? That's the person that I wanna meet, right? I don't need to go find the store manager. It's not necessary. I'm going to my aisle where my category lives and I'm meeting the person that is managing that aisle. Hi, I'm Sandra from Van Leeuwen, how's it going? Um, thanks so much for the space. Um, I noticed that, you know, there's some, there's some holes in the shelf here. And I also noticed that you do not have our top selling flavors, right? So if we're going to have limited space, I would love to get our top selling dairy skews in here instead. Like, can we go ahead and get that order going? Okay. And I said, you know, we also have more skews authorized at King's, you know, is there any way that we could make some room to have dairy and vegan lines? And he said, well, actually, this brand up here is getting discontinued. 
right? That is industry terminology for they're getting kicked out, okay? And so he said, if you want, I'll bring you a crate and you can take these down and you can have, you can have more space. Sure, no problem, I'll do that. You know, I was there for, you know, 40 minutes at this store fixing these shelves. I am doing the work, right? I am not asking him to do anything. I'm not showing up and pointing fingers. I'm showing up to, to like with a help, like I'm here to help attitude, right? What can we do to, you know, what can I do to uh, improve your situation so that I can help you generate more revenue? I, I know that if you can bring in the vanilla, the pistachio, the, the chocolate, like it's gonna sell more, you know, it's gonna sell better than the SKUs you have on shelf, okay? And so when I left, it looked like this. You notice that now I have two shelves, right? I have, I was, man, I was able to take High Road Shelf, that was the brand that's got discontinued. And then he gave me another shelf down here. And these are all, you can see that these are the same flavor, right? These are uh, pistachio. These are just placeholders, right? You can see, I put in my notes here, he is bringing in all seven dairy and four vegan. This is because while I was there, we placed an order for the other flavors that are the top sellers. And when they come in, he's going to replace these placeholders, right? With those flavors. So if you guys have ever held a parking space for someone, right? Stood in the middle of the street and held a parking space. That's kind of what I'm doing here. I'm holding my real estate for when my order comes in, he's going to then replace it with you know, the, the new order. Now, none of this would have happened if I had not shown up to the store. That is the takeaway here. That is the magic of merchandising, right? Taylor, are there any questions right now that I need to answer so far? Yes, there's one question that came in. Well, a couple comments first, people are loving it. So awesome work so far, Sandra. And then okay. someone was asking, what was the name of that app? Oh Maybe yeah, it's called, it's called Repsly, R-E-P-S-L-Y. R-E-P-S-L-Y. I'll go and find the link to it and share it. Yeah, please. So Repsly is kind of the most known of the merchandising apps. And, um, you know, it's expensive. It's like $80 a month. It's like having a phone line. But if you are really going to go out and merchandise, there's no real way to keep track of what has happened. Like if you go in, out into the world and you try to take pictures with your iPhone and then you come home, I guarantee you all of those pictures are gonna look the same. And then, you know, then you're gonna what, download those pictures and then label them in a Google folder? No, just it's just so much work and it's just not possible. With Rexley, it functions like Foursquare. If anyone here remembers Foursquare, that app, oh, yeah. you could like check in. Okay, so yep. that's what this is like, right? Where you can, every time I go to King's and I check in, it tells me my history. Like what happened last time I was at King's, right? So you're not like starting over every single time. So that is, you know, the advantage of having an app like Rexley. So, Again, the takeaway here, you guys, is that this does, would not have happened. I would not have secured the reorder. I would not have found out what was happening. I would not have secured more you know, uh, real estate if I had not shown up and actually done the work, right? And again, I did this work. We are not showing up to stores and saying, why haven't you ordered my product? Or why do I have such terrible placement? No, we are not going in with that attitude. We are going in with like, hey, thanks so much. What can we do? What can I do to make this better? I noticed this, I noticed that. We are going in with like a positive, how can I help attitude? Okay, nobody likes an entitled founder. <laughs> okay, all right. So this is something that I had to do you know, at stores here in New York on a weekly basis, right? Because again, New York is a high foot traffic, um, you know, city and ice cream is, you know, a, a, something that moves quickly, right? So the shells get really messy very quickly, right? So if you, again, if you make a chip, a snack, a protein bar, a drink, like those are things that grab and go like constantly throughout the day, right? So it means that people are 
customers are always touching those products, moving them around, knocking them over. The shelves look like crap, like within an hour, right? So merchandising is like making sure that the product looks good, it's facing forward, it's in stock, the price tags are correct, and we are building relationships at the store level so that the, the people at the store also are on our side, right? I can't emphasize enough how important it is to have the people at the store on your side. They are the ones that are placing the reorders, right? You wanna make friends with them, right? By the time, I used to go to Wegmans twice a week here in Brooklyn, you know, after like a month or two months, you know, I'm on a fist bump like basis with a frozen buyer. He has, I have a cell number. We talk about our kids, you know, like we talk about the basketball game. That is the kind of level of relationship that you wanna have with your stores, okay? All right, so promotions. The promotions, again, I mentioned that your distributor is going to want some and your retailer is definitely going to want some, right? So distributor-wide, this means like, let's say you onboard with UNFI or KHE, right? These are the two big natural and specialty distributors here in the United States, UNFI and KHE. And they have multiple warehouses nationwide. And so they're going to push you for distributor promotions, right? This is where they are getting a discount on the product when you sell it to them, right? And they're going to pass most of it on to the store, okay? But again, because they have their freight costs and whatever, you know, it's not gonna be like a full pass-through. So this is why we also end up doing what I said before, layer discounts where we add, you know, promotions on top for our retailers. And all of this, by the way, the retailer promotions are things that you work out with each retailer, right? It's a conversation that you have with every single retailer, right? With Whole Foods, with Sprouts, with, you know, Morton Williams, with whoever, okay? You talk about what your promotional offerings and schedule is gonna be. And promotions are things that are scheduled in advance, you guys, okay? There's no such thing as like, oh, it's November. Let's do a, let's do a Thanksgiving promo. No, 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 it's too late, <laughs> okay? Promotions are scheduled way in advance, okay? You usually do them for like the year, right? So by October, you're already doing like the next year and you're, you're setting your promotional calendar and then you internally have to keep track of your promo calendar, which is nothing more than like an Excel sheet, okay? All right, so number three, working with distributors. So again, like I mentioned at the beginning, we work with distributors pretty much because we have to, not because we want to, okay? When a brand asks me, um, hey, Sandra, which distributor should I pick? I'm like, hey, newsflash, you don't get to pick. You don't get to pick because the store that you wanna be in is gonna tell you who they use and that's who you're gonna use. Does that make sense? Like if you go and you try to just sign up with a distributor, you don't even know if they distribute to the stores that you wanna be in, okay? Everyone here should have a roadmap of where they are trying to go. Like what stores do you wanna be in for your product? Like who is your customer? Where do they shop? Those are the stores you should be after. And those stores are gonna tell you who their distributor is, okay? And by the way, for your category to complicate it even more. Okay, and I'm gonna show you an example of what I mean by that in the next slide, but let's talk about the math really quickly. So on average, everyone here should be like doing the math equation. You know, you have your COG, right? How much it costs you to make your product? And then you're going to sell it to a distributor for what's called the distributor price, okay? And that, by the way, is the only sale that you were making, right? You to your distributor, that's your sale. That's the money that you're making, okay? And your margin needs to be strong because then the distributor is usually gonna take a 25 margin before they sell it to, let's say, you know, Morton Williams, right? And then Morton Williams needs to sell it to the customer and they have to make a margin too. Every category has a different margin requirement and every distributor is going to be really uh, not transparent about their margins. 
So the only thing that you can ultimately protect is your margin, meaning like how much it costs you to make something and how much you sell it to your distributor for. That is the margin you have to protect with your life. Nobody is going to come and say, hey, Taylor, are you making a high enough margin? No one's gonna come and ask you that. You have to protect your margins because I guarantee you that everyone else in this industry is protecting their margins. Whole Foods is protecting their margins. UNFI is protecting their margins. No one's gonna come and ask you if you are doing okay, right? So really quickly, a margin and a markup are two different things. Do not confuse the math, okay? And we'll get into that in a second. So when we're first starting out, right? I just mentioned, you want to decide, like, what is your roadmap? Your product, let's say you make a, you know, a, a better for you ramen, right? That costs $6. I think like, I'm going to use the example of my former student. She, she makes this better for you ramen. It, it's like $6, right? Top ramen is like 50 cents, right? So if she's coming out with this really premium ramen that comes with vegetables and, you know, it's this like better for you thing. It's healthy. It has, you know, the ingredient panel is clean. Is she really, should she, should she really be targeting like, you know, Safeway or store or, or, you know, Walmart or stores where people are shopping on price? Probably not, right? She should be starting where people are looking for better for you products and are willing to pay for premium products. So she's going to go for more premium stores. So I say this, like everyone here needs to decide what their roadmap is. Where are you trying to go? right? And I'll use myself as an example, because remember, I'm also a founder. When I created my brand, I created my brand specifically to sit on the shelves of premium beauty retailers, right? I said, I'm going to create a brand that's going to sit on the shelves of Nordstrom and Barney's. And that is what I did. I branded it as such. I priced it as such. And now it is there, right? Have Decide where you want to go and create your product accordingly for where you want to go, right? If you are saying, but I want everyone to love my product, please don't say that, okay? Please don't say that. Like it, your product does not have to be for everybody for you to be a successful company. And in fact, the more niche and the more specific, you know, problem that you're solving and for whom and why they need it, like the more like clear your road. Okay. Otherwise, you're always going to be getting pulled into the directions of like, oh, well, someone said I should lower a price. Well, someone said I should do this. Who, what is it that you are creating and where do you want to go? And who did you make this for? Right. Okay, so now that you know what stores you're gonna be in, work to get interest from a small chain or several indies. And if they want you, they will connect you with their distributor contact. They will tell you. Distributor information, like who uses what distributor is not confidential information. It is not taboo to ask. It is just, you can go today after this webinar and walk into your local store and ask them, who do you use for distribution? And they will tell you, all right? And in fact, everyone as an exercise, go ahead and do that. <laughs> Go walk into your local store and say, what distributor do you use for, for ice cream or for beverage? And they will tell you. So here's an example of what I mean. This is, again, a screenshot from my inbox. Uh, Michelle Bree, you can see in the, her signature line that she is the buyer at Lassen's Natural Foods and Vitamins. Okay. Now, I had pitched Michelle when I was working for High Bar, which is a zero-waste hair care line. Again, like premium, you know, it's $13 for a bar of shampoo, right? And uh, so we targeted co-ops, health food stores, you know, places that where the customers shop that are looking for this type of product. So I targeted Lassen's specifically, okay? I sent her, I found out who the buyer was, like I, like I do with everything. I just go ask and find out. I sent her samples. We went back and forth, and this is her response after she tried the samples. So hello, Sandra. We really like the, we really like the shampoo, but the conditioner did not work well for my hair or my friend's hair. Uh, I would be interested in picking up the shampoos and I am happy to email any of our distributor contacts to assist with placement. 
So boom, if Lassens wants me, she has to connect me with her distributor. That is how you get connected with the distributor because the store tells you, hey, they know that they can't order your product unless you are, it is being, you know, uh, it's in their distributor warehouse, all right? Did I come to Michelle and say, this is our distributor, let me force it upon you? No, because that would be a losing battle. She would come back to me and say, we only use so-and-so for distribution and I would have to use them, okay? Now here is the caveat. When I reached out to Michelle, I had worked with Lassen's before when I worked in beverage and I know that Lassen's as a chain is a KHE account, like as a chain. However, in this category, in the, in the wellness HBA, HBA stands for health and beauty aids. So it's like, you know, the, the soap and the shampoo section, right? The, the, the wellness section. For this particular category, she, I learned that Michelle and Lassen's prefers to use a distributor called Lotus Light. And so the, the moral of the story here, you guys, is that you need to ask the category buyer at the store that you want to be in, which distributor they want to use because they will use different distributors for different categories in the same store. Everybody with me on that? Does that make sense? Different distributors for different categories, even within the same store. If I was selling a beverage to Lassen's, I would be working with Kehi. But because I was selling a shampoo, I had to use Lotus Light. Okay. Okay, another reason you wanna get stores on board first is because in the case of big distributors like Kehi and Unify, it costs money to activate a DC. That means an activated DC is just industry jargon for saying you have now, you are, your product is going into the warehouse. You're turning, your, your brand is getting turned on at that warehouse. That's why it's called activated DC. This is a picture that I took with my iPhone at a Kehi DC, right? This warehouse is massive, right? If they're gonna make room for you, it's gonna cost you money per SKU. Okay, uh, KHE is more expensive, excuse me, Unify is more expensive than KHE for activation. It is, I think KHE, it was, it could have changed, but it was $50 per SKU per DC, okay? So, and Unify was like 400 per SKU per DC, right? So very significant difference. Now, just like getting onto store shelves, you guys, just because you get into the DC, just because you signed the KHE contract and you're, let's say one of these boxes is your product, it does not mean that you get to stay there for the rest of your life right? You get to stay there through your sales, okay? You get to stay there. You can stay on the store shelf through your sales. You get to stay in the distributor warehouse through your sales. Your velocities have to meet the expectation of your category, right? So the velocity for shampoo and olive oil, for example, is very different from the velocity expectations of a kombucha or of a protein bar, right? Or of a chip. Those are faster moving uh, items, right? So they are expected to sell faster. Okay, hey, Sandra. Reason, yeah, go ahead, Taylor. Really quick, there's a few questions that I think are timely. Someone's asking again, what DC stands for? Yeah, DC stands for distribution center. It just means a warehouse, right? But KHE and Unify, they will, everyone refers to them as DCs. It stands for distribution center. This is, for example, a distribution center in Texas that I was at. But KHE has 13 DCs nationwide and Unify has over 22. Okay. Great, thank you for that. Someone else is asking, how do we get our product into the distribution system? So it's it's going back to this. The store is going to trigger the distribution for you. When you have interest from a store, they're gonna say, okay, would you like, here's her email. Where was her email? Uh, let's see, promotions, this. Michelle Bree says, I'm interested in bringing your product. Let me connect you with our distributor. That is how you activate. 
That's the ideal way. You can try to go and call a distributor like Kohl's, but they're going to ask you, what stores are you in? What stores want you, right? So getting the interest from the store is step one. It is the best way to activate the distributor. What Perfect. was the other okay. question? Um, there's a couple others here um, from Tyler, and he's asking, um, and this is kind of going back to when you're talking about merchandising and stopping by the stores and kind of seeing how they look. He mm -hmm. said he thought he saw somewhere that um, it's actually kind of a tactic to make your product look a little messier because it seems like it's more disheveled, like more people have been sorting through it. So it's more popular. Is there any truth to that? No, I would not. I would not go with that. I would definitely always you want to make your product look good, attractive to the customer. You don't want to. I, I personally, you know, I live in Brooklyn. When I go to Target, it's always disheveled. It always looks like someone has just like run through there with like a like a, you know, like a whole gang of bulls, like that is not enticing to me to go sift through shoes <laughs> that are not my size. Right. So no, you want your, you want your product to look, you know, plentiful and, and bountiful. And that's what all grocery stores are doing. Right. But they do it at night and they do it before the customers get there so that there's a feeling of abundance. Right. When you go into mm -hmm. the stores, I mean, look at COVID, how sad was it when you went to the stores and there was like no toilet paper, right. <laughs> or like no chocolate or no popcorn, no wine. Right. <laughs> so no, you want your store, you want yourself to be productive and look nice. Okay. Awesome. And then one other question from Tyler. Um, and I think a, a lot of people will probably be in, interested in the answer to this question. And that is with the obvious um, supply chain issues that are affecting all of us, but yeah. especially those of us that own brands, um, how do you recommend navigating the increase in costs from yeah. the brand side and then having to raise prices with your distributor or with the retail stores? Yes. So what I honestly, if you're going to raise your price, now is the time to do it, right? Because all of us are in this state, like no, everyone knows what COVID is. We're all in this together. We are literally in this one moment of probably of history in our lives where the entire world is going through this one thing called COVID. And we all understand, especially everyone in grocery understands what this means for our supply chain. I mean, I'm dealing with supply chain issues myself, right? Like I'm having to order bulk ingredients and bulk components for six months in advance because of shortages, right? Because we want to secure our inventory. Um, so it's affecting everyone. And if you're going to raise your price, do it now, right? And just rip off the band-aid. Don't rate, like just, and tell, just be straight up with grace with your retailers and just say, due to supply chain, you know, cost increases across the board, we have to raise our price to this. It is now this, and then just do it, right? Um, because, you know, we don't know how long we're going to be in COVID, but it's going to be a while, but I wouldn't wait, right? <laughs> I would, if you have to raise your price, you know, now is the time because let's look at this now. This, the, here's the math, right? On this sheet, this is a screenshot um, of, of what, uh, what's called the margin plug and play. This is a, an active like live Excel doc um, that has formulas in it that I teach in my class that all the students get. So this really helps you see like the entire arc from like, when your product is made to the shelf, right? So in this scenario, and this is just a screenshot, so I can't, I can't change the numbers. So we'll just have to you know, work with these numbers here. So the cog, right? Your, your cost of goods sold, this is what it costs you to make your product, your ingredients, your packaging, the labor, the inbound shipping to get your ingredients to your, you know, co-pack or your factory or wherever, you know, storage, if, if that's part of the equation, like all of these things that are going into your cog. And by the way, in case there's anyone here that's making their own product, please make sure that your labor cost is built in. There's no such thing as I'm making my product in my house and therefore it's free. No. Pretend like you're paying someone else to do it and put that into your cog. Okay, so in this scenario, 
our cog is 189, right? I don't even know what, let's just pretend this is a, uh, let me see, like a, a condiment of some sort, um, a sauce, a cooking sauce. So our cog is 189 per jar, right? And then uh, we we're selling to our distributor for 378, which means that we're making a 50 margin, okay? Now, the easy way to calculate a margin, in case anyone here is not, you know, not doing margins every day, the way that you find out a margin is you just, you find the profit between two numbers and then you divide that by the, by the larger amount. So you would say 378 minus 189. What is that dollar amount? It's obviously 189 because it's the 50. And then you just divide 189 by 378 and it's going to tell you 50. Your calculator is going to say 0 0.50. Now your distributor is buying it for 378, meaning like this is their starting point, right? So they need to make money when they sell it to the store, the next person, right? And so they're gonna take, in this case, a 25 margin. So now the wholesale price is 504. So this is now the price. This is the only price the store knows. The store only knows 504. They don't care what your distributor price is. They don't care how much it costs you to make it. They just wanna know what is my price, right? And their price is 504. And so the store is gonna make a 40 margin in this example. And so now on the shelf, your product becomes $8.40. So let's pretend this is a cooking sauce, right? So $8.40 for this uh, simmer sauce, right? So you can see here the arc of like when you have these middlemen, right? These people in the middle that need to make money because every time your product changes hands, someone has to make money, right? And now it ends up at, at $8.40 on the shelf. So you can also do the scenario backwards, okay? And I recommend that all of you do this if you haven't already. Tell, you know, write down, what is your desired SRP? What do you want your product to, to sell for at the store? And then work backwards, say $8.40 minus 40% of that. Now we're at 504, great. You know that the distributor is gonna take a 25, subtract 25% of that, go backwards. Now your distributor price is 378. I wanna make a 50 margin in this case. So now my cog has to be 189, right? Do the math backwards as well. Because what happens, you guys, is that a lot of brands create their product, they're making small batches, their cogs are high, and then they don't actually have the room to like give margin away to all of these people, right? And so do now you know the math, right? Start with this math. And some stores, by the way, will take more than a 40, okay? So these are like average numbers, okay? These are average numbers. And distributors might take less than this if you are working with large chains. Okay, but I put in a high, the high margin of 25 because if you're selling to independents, they're probably gonna take a 25 margin, right? If you're, if you're working with DSDs, direct store delivery, which is like a local regional distributor, they're taking a 25 margin. That's pretty standard, okay? Only when you're working with like Whole Foods and Sprouts and Safeway and like large chains that have hundreds of locations is the distributor taking uh, like an 8% or an 11% mark up. So a markup is different than a margin, which, you know, we're running out of time, so I don't want to go into to go down that rabbit hole, but just do the math backwards, okay? Do the math backwards so that you are prepared to, like, so that you know, like, can my cog, like, can I, how low can you get your cog, right? And by the way, doing your cogs is, like, not a one-time event. We are always redoing our cogs. I, as a founder, am always redoing my cogs, right? It's, it's not like you do it once, right? It's not like taking out a mortgage, you're done. No, it's like, you're always redoing your cogs. You're always trying to lower your cogs, you know, try to lower your labor costs, buying things in larger quantities to reduce the per unit cost, right? If you buy 5,000 jars, those jars are gonna be really expensive than if you buy 100,000 jars, right? Okay, so this slide um, 
is to, this is a, a screenshot of a calculator that I use on my iPhone. So if you have an iPhone, I do recommend downloading the, uh, it's called Wholesale Retail Calculator. You can see the name up here at the top. If you have an Android, I'm sorry, I don't know what, what's on the Android store, but if you, if you have an iPhone, I would recommend downloading the Wholesale Retailer uh, Calculator. It's green and it has a white dollar sign in the middle. And the reason I like it is because it shows you the margin and the markup next to each other, okay? And that's the only thing I wanna say about the slide is just in the red circles, you see that the markup is 33% in this case, and the margin is a 25, right? They are not the same. A markup is a percentage that you use to, rate, to arrive at a price. What you wanna focus on are your margins, right? Because the margin is like, what percentage of that sale do you get to keep, right? In this case, uh, you know, if it costs 378, right, to make something, or in this case, where it's the distributor price. So the distributor price is 378, and they're selling to the store for 504 here, the wholesale price. When they when we say the distributor is taking a 25 margin, we're saying that they get to keep 25% of the sale price, right? It's not 25% of the cost of you know the price that they um, paid to acquire it, right? So just always understand the difference between those two numbers. All right, other things to consider before we run out of time here. So freight, how are you, freight is a killer, especially through COVID, like the prices are you know, out through the roof right now, right? But you need to understand what your freight costs are going to be. Once you have your product, how are you gonna get it to your distributor? How much is that gonna cost, right? It's okay to, and I highly recommend that you just price out scenarios now, like you can use freight, freightquote.com, you know, find a freight broker, get a quote. How much does one pallet of your product cost from San Francisco to uh, Los Angeles? How much does two pallets cost? How much does three pallets cost? You need to know the weight of your product to get these quotes, okay? And because these are, freight can really kill you if you're not prepared, right? Freight is expensive. And then promotions, so we covered this already, you know, uh, distributors are gonna push for quarterly. I would try to negotiate them down to two if you can. And then chargebacks, that's a whole other webinar that I could do on chargebacks, but just know that chargebacks are very real when working with distributors, okay? Um, and understand that when you do a promotion, you know, it's going to be based off of a percentage of the wholesale price, not your distributor price, okay? So that is uh, sometimes a big awakening for a lot of brands. When you say, okay, I'm gonna give you 15% off, 15% off of what number is the question you wanna answer, okay? Now, so here's an example of a chargeback. Um, so this is, uh, let's say you give a 50% placement deal to a store. Okay, so 50% of 504, right, is, is $2.52. However, $2.52 is actually 67% of 378, which is the price that you sold it for. Okay, so this is where the chargebacks understand where the chargeback is getting charged back from, what number. And in grocery, it's always the wholesale price, okay? Unless you're doing a distributor um, discount, in which case, yes, you're, if you're saying, hey, distributor, I'm gonna give you a 15% discount for the month of uh, November, it's 15% off of the 378, which is what you normally would sell it to them for. But when you're doing a promo, you're giving a free fill, you're doing um, you know, any kind of placement deal, promotion, it's always gonna be based off of the wholesale price because it is from the retailer's perspective, okay? And then just to wrap things up here, and I know we're like, wow, we're right at the hour. <laughs> I could keep going for like five hours. There's so much to cover. But anyway, number one, launching before you understand the math, 
Okay, so many brands have great intentions, have great products, and they fail. And it's not because they don't have a great product. They just didn't understand the math of this industry. Okay, so understanding the math in advance is, uh, it's, it's just priceless, like literally. And then number two, not understanding the grocery jargon, right? So I threw out a bunch of jargon today. There's so much more where that came from, right? But you want to be able to jump into the arena and talk like a broker, talk like a sales rep, you know, to get your brand, you know, into stores and, and not understanding how sales works, right? So it's, again, not based off of our, our opinions. It's not based off how well, you know, our product performs or how good it tastes. Everyone thinks that their product is great, right? So really understanding how, you know, the mind of a buyer, you know, understanding your category, understanding how to drive sales, all of these things, having a great idea and having a great product is not enough, right? You really need to understand what arena you're jumping into. So unfortunately, what this means is that there are a lot of brands that have their product in hundreds of stores, but they aren't making any money. Whenever I see like posts on LinkedIn, like we just got into 500 stores, I, I really am like, show me your bank account. You know, just to be in 500 stores in and of itself does not mean something good is happening, right? Please check, please check your ego and understand like, what does that mean? What do you want, <laughs> right? I, so many founders tell me, I want to get into Whole Foods. And I'm like, why? Tell me why. Is it because you want to be able to say you're in Whole Foods? Is it the notoriety? Is it the fame? Like, what does that mean to you, right? Because what I want for all of you, anyone that's listening or here or watching, is to stay in business, to stay in business and to make money because you cannot fulfill your mission if you do not do that, okay? And also there are brands that are trying to get into stores, but they don't know how to sell. They don't have the right language, right? So this is what I teach in Distro 101. So lastly, last slide here, it's already 301. Just wanna invite you all, if you wanna learn more to prepare yourselves to jump into this arena, um, Distro 101, I only teach it every other month. And actually um, I'm in 2022, I'm only gonna teach it four times a year because I am very busy with my own brand, right? I'm also scaling my own brand. Um, you know, Nopaleta has, it's going to surpass half a million in sales for year one. And so, you know, I am, I can't, I don't have the bandwidth to teach it every other month. I used to teach it every month and then it was every other month. Uh, so the next class is in December. You can join the wait list. I only accept about 14 students at a time so that we can all talk and it's very interactive. So um, I will just stop there and just check in to make, see how, uh, how everyone's doing. A few people had to jump, so thank okay. you for those of you who came. Um, and a lot of people have been asking if we're sending a recording. Yes, we will definitely send a recording um, to everyone here. There's going to be a YouTube link so you can watch the presentation with the slides. We'll also publish it to our podcast channels. If if you're like me and don't have a lot of, or you're already spending enough time in front of a screen and you want to listen to this while you're at the gym, in your car, you know, doing the laundry, the dishes, whatever, you can listen to it from the podcast as well. Um, Sandra, it looks like the only other question is, well, and I guess before I get to this one, it, it'll be quick, but um, there's just tons of people saying really nice things about how great this was. So yeah, thank was you. I want everyone to be prepared. <laughs> and then um, if anyone else has any questions, feel free to pop those into the chat now. Um, and Sandra, it looks like the only other question is someone's asking if you're willing to share the slides. Yeah, so I'm going to send you the deck, um, Taylor, and then you can cool. send it out with the recording. Okay, perfect. So I'll have that as an attachment with the yes. email with the link to the recording as well. Yes. Um, and I'll just kind of um, piggyback off what Sandra was saying or kind of give a plus one plug for her program. I haven't personally been through it, 
But um, based on the first conversation I had with Sandra, based on this webinar, and based on the fact that if you're like me and you really get stuff done when you have somebody that's coaching you and you have a community that you can participate with and that you can be accountable to, um, if retail is a strategy that you want to pursue in 2022, I think DistroTalk is a great program for you to look into um, because I think we go farther together and trying to do stuff on your own sometimes works and most of the time it doesn't. So there's a little plug for that. Um, it doesn't look like we have any questions, but what I wanted to do really quick at the end is just um, talk a little bit about Fiddle and how um, it can, how it kind of piggybacks on what, on what we're talking about here. Um, so if everyone will uh, check this out. And again, just a little 60 second summary of Fiddle. So Fiddle is inventory and production management software specifically built for CPG businesses. And with Fiddle, you'll never miss orders. Um, you'll never fulfill orders late or have stockouts on your website. Um, you can track all of your inventory, raw materials and ingredients, your packaging and your finished goods. Um, and you can track them at multiple locations as well. So whether it's in-house, at a 3PL, co-packer, a warehouse, any location, you can track the quantities that you have. Um, and as far as how can Fiddle help you with your retail growth strategy, right? Since that's what we've been talking about. Um, when you receive a PO from a retail store or distributor, um, you'll easily be able to see whether you have enough inventory to fulfill it. And most of the time, um, they're going to give you enough time that if you don't, then you can create, you can create, you can produce more inventory. So you can easily send a PO to a supplier or a co-packer. Or if you produce in-house, you can easily kick off a production run all within Fiddle. Um, and some other things that you can do, you can set reorder points. You can store all of the contact info for your suppliers and co-packers and send them POs. You can generate batch records. Um, you can generate and track lot numbers um, for food safety and traceability. Um, you can create compliance docs, and there's a lot more as well. So we integrate with all the best-in-class software that you're, that you're using now, um, like QuickBooks, Shopify. Fair, WooCommerce coming soon, marketplaces like Mabel, Tundra, and, S and SPS Commerce so that we can have integrations with the software that distributors use to send you POs. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, you can just go to our website, click the request a demo button, they're all over the website, um, and one of our reps will jump on a call with you and give you kind of personally show you how it will help your business. Um, we can set you up with a free trial and go from there. So Sandra, do you have anything else you want to you want to say to the audience, to the group, or anything else you want to plug before we wrap up? No, just that I thank you all for for sticking with us, and I you know I want everyone to win, and I want everyone to have to like have the right like armor when they go in you know into this arena, and um, and by the way, inventory management is like so important, you guys. I'm not saying, I'm not just saying this like um, it's so important. It's like something that you know took me a while to. To wrap my head around um and so what types of products are you guys all working with so industry 101 all all of my students are cpg founders right sometimes uh it's just people from their team uh if not december there will probably be i'll you know, just get on the email list get on the wait list and uh, i'll let you guys know it's gonna probably be like you know one class in q1 then another class in q2 etc um, i just don't know which month yet because i'm just you know i'm doing i'm dealing with the same things that you guys are dealing with <laughs> so um so that's all. No, thanks for coming, you guys. And thank you, Taylor, for the opportunity. And I hope that everyone found this valuable. Awesome. Sandra, thank you. 
high five for just bringing the heat today in the best way on this cold day. And yes. uh, thank you again to all of you that came. And again, reach out to Sandra with questions, join her programs, and let's all let's all win in 2022. Yes. Awesome, you guys. Have a great day. See you guys. Thanks. The Physical Product Movement Podcast is brought to you by Fiddle. To find out more about Fiddle and how our industry-leading inventory ops platform is giving modern brands and manufacturers full visibility into their inventory and operations, visit fiddle.io. And then make sure to search for Physical Product Movement in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Fiddle, thanks for listening.